I'm Teffer. And I'm Eunice. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah. We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. For those of us in Canada, that's obviously really at the forefront right now as um, more and more of the mass graves at the residential schools are uncovered. I know in the U.S. it's also um, in the news uh, because it's happening here, and as our respective nationalist holidays come up in the next week, I think it's important to think about this and to really consider what you're celebrating and and why you're celebrating it and if maybe that perspective needs to shift. So this week, we are wrapping up our food month. I don't know about you, I have really loved this series. I'm really happy we did it. (laughs) And we're wrapping it up with A Faux Love Story by Lone Lay. Eunice, did you choose this one? I did. Yeah, because I had not heard about it. So why don't you introduce it? Yeah, um, this is a kind of like a Romeo and Juliet-esque, like, rom-com um, without kind of like the tragedy of <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. But competing for restaurants, um, and there's a rivalry between these two families, um, and there is a boy and a girl... Um, boy from one family, girl from the other family, they obviously have like a connection um, and they have to kind of figure out what their relationship is um, without like, you know, rocking the boat um, on these two rivalries. And then you get kind of a sense of why these two families are at odds at each other at, with each other and the whole unfolding of things but there's also a great story of both of the characters kind of figuring out who they are um, as individuals as well and is I thought it was a very nice light and fun read but with a lot of really good insights into this community mm-hmm. the Vietnamese community in Southern California in Little Saigon I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. Hmm, me too. Now, it is a, a new release. It's a 2021 book. It's also a debut YA work. So Lonely has written before plenty of short fiction. Uh, but this is her, her debut novel and her debut YA novel. And I'm really, like, if this is her debut, I'm very excited to see. Mm. I love discovering debut novels that are fantastic. And, like, I feel like every one that we've been like, this is special, has gone on to write something fantastic see like mm-hmm. nick stone see christina forrest like a lot of ben philippe a lot of our favorite authors we discovered as debut authors and that's always a really fun journey um i ordered for twice while <laughs> i read this book last week i would have ordered it more but my favorite restaurant was closed one of those days which is for those of you in montreal folien it's in cote de neige i have tried a lot of the other faux restaurants in this area it is in my 
non-Vietnamese opinion, the best one. Um, I also, for those of you who see the post on Instagram, definitely spilled pho on the cover. So <laughs> you will see that for added authenticity. <laughs> what I found about this book, and I do feel like I've been saying this a lot, and I promise I'm not just like super easily impressed. We've just been reading really good books lately. But mm -hmm. I... I really did not expect the depth and complexity to this novel. I expected it to be fun. I expected it to be engaging. I expected it to make my mouth water. Uh, but it also made me cry. <laughs> and it also like made me really think about things. And it had this intergenerational story layered and woven throughout. Beautifully subtle in some places. Really, really mm -hmm. captivating in a sensory way. Like a lot of, a lot of really rich imagery for all of the senses <laughs> and uh it's just it's really really good it's really really beautiful i enjoyed it a lot yeah i think what you were saying is true the writing style or like the storytelling style really reflected that the two characters are both creatives so it really made sense um for um when you're kind of and it's dual person um dual narrative um it's split between um, Bao, the boy, and Lin, the girl, um, in the story. Um, and they both have this way of thinking that's very, like, creative and artistic. Um, Bao's the uh, aspiring writer, and Lin is the aspiring artist, painter. Um, and the way they kind of, like, see the world and, like, think, it's very well reflected in the story, in the writing. Absolutely. With the dual narrative, I definitely noticed, like, obviously there's a difference in style between the two voices, but when we're hearing from Bao, it's very uh, focused on language, on words, on vocabulary. You know, you can tell he's someone who really enjoys playing with language. And when we're hearing from Lin, it's very full of imagery, full of color, full of light, uh, because she is an artist and that's how she perceives things and thinks. And that um, adds such a richness to the way the story unfolds. <clears throat> and I also really loved it with the way Bao's narrative specifically unfolds, because Bao is trying to figure out like what he wants to do with his life. And he is gradually recognizing as somebody who underestimates his own talents, uh, because he's somebody who underestimates his talents and Lin is somebody who tries to hide her talents, like understands that they're great and tries to hide them. You kind of understand that he is a gifted writer long before he does. And watching that journey unfold is really fun. Yeah, the two of them, um, they definitely are on like different like paths and their paths converge. And because they converge, you can tell like they um, kind of influence each other like ha like of where they are in their like creative creativity and and their craft um and like you were saying like Bao is trying to figure out what he's good at and it happens to be writing and um and it's kind of through their relationship that he also kind of figures that out as well um and and Lynn is kind of yeah like she has a whole different thing and and I think it also has to do with like the relationship they have with their respective parents as well and um, I like how in the story that it's like they're clearly on like they have different circumstances but they're still like both kind of figuring those things out together after they meet and kind of like decide to like 
um, be in a relationship together. And I really liked how they were, they were actually pretty different in, like, the different, like, like, barriers that they had. Like, Lynn was, her thing was, like, she was struggling to really, like, tell the truth about um, that she wanted to pursue art um, because her parents, like, she has an aunt who is a ceramics artist and her mom always has been saying, like, your aunt struggles so much, like, we don't want you to struggle and, like, this is, we don't want you to be an artist and that requires uh, Lynn to kind of keep that from her parents and um, she's not willing to really, like, tell them that this is what she wants to do, uh, whereas Bao is like, his parents are already kind of disappointed with them because he's like kind of in this like weird rut of like not really knowing what he likes doing, but when he does tell his, um, you know, parents, he gets a, he gets a different response than yeah. what um, like Lin would get. So I really like that Lonely like kind of explores different a ways of like the whole like the whole trope of like immigrant kids and like trying to <laughs> live their dreams kind of thing um i thought this was a great way of like i feel like in in different like um books i've read about this where there's kind of this like you don't know how your immigrant parent is going to react when your dreams come uh, like you know um don't um match kind of what your parents think right like we've I feel like I've read that this that book before but I feel like in this one there's like less angst yeah involved Mm -hmm. and I really appreciated that and there was a little more exploration of like where the parents are at where the kids are at and just like like the like whole narrative of how like it's not the same for Mm -hmm. each family Mm -hmm. it's not the narrative is not the same for each family. There might be disappointment. There might be confusion or like misunderstanding, mm-hmm. and that's there's a there's a degree of like even if it is a negative interaction, there's a degree of negative inter- interactions mm-hmm. or like you know there's like there's a difference between like um, like each like yeah. Um, so I thought that was done so well in this book. Yeah, I also wanted to bring that up. I appreciated so much the difference in their families, uh, despite the fact that their families come from, like, the same region of Vietnam, the same city, and, like, left under similar circumstances around the same time, opened the same kind of restaurant. Like, they have so many parallels. Um, But they are different people with different experiences that shape them differently. And I I really appreciated that we got to see a good portion of the background for them. Like, obviously, with the kind of central generational story, but also Bao's father at some point talks to him about his experience of moving uh, to America and going from being somebody who in Vietnam was extremely successful and, and skilled, but had a lot of trouble learning English and, like, had his career plans kind of scuppered by that there's so much communication between the parents and the children there's so much love and I feel like often in the children of immigrant parents stories what we get are stories that are about miscommunication and like sort of insurmountable generational divides um 
and people who just can't understand each other's experiences. And it's really refreshing to have a book that is instead entirely about navigating those divides and communicating across those divides and finding ways to talk to each other. And, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, with the two of them, there are two different storylines and Lynn's kind of storyline is about her learning to communicate things and not being afraid of what that's gonna how that's gonna end um Mm -hmm. not just with her parents but but with herself and with everybody else and and Bao is sort of a much easier communicator which is fun when we also think of him as a wordsmith so we talked about them we talked about their families but I also love all of the characters the just multitude of characters who are not their family but who play into the story um from their two best friends who they also each develop relationships with each other's best friends which is kind of my kryptonite in books I love when that happens um and the restauranter that they meet through their project, mm. who they start talking with, who becomes a really important figure for both of them. Um, and, you know, his family who have their own stories and their own perspectives. Uh, uh, Lynn's art teacher is really significant. Um, mm-hmm. Lynn's aunt, of course, is really significant. Uh, Lynn's sister (laughs) you know there are just there are so many secondary characters even the waiters in the restaurants it's such a vibrant uh, community book which Mm -hmm. you know you can have YA romances you can have good YA romances that are essentially just the two characters interacting each other Mm -hmm. with each other those those happen and they can be good and they fill a niche but you get to know your characters so well when you see them interact with this huge social network of people and you know i i like that lynn's best friend is not vietnamese and is not from within their community like that's nice to see it's nice to see that you know the the reality that people do not just stay within their communities all the time and it's like really (laughs) fitting for a book about a restaurant right because yeah that's what Mm -hmm. restaurants do restaurants bring wide networks of people together into a little space (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the um the supporting characters are always um so interesting when they uh, really propel the story forward as well and kind of give you better glimpses of the character of the main characters right um and i think for this book it's also important to really um make the community really vibrant because it is very much uh, the book um, the the setting is so important to the story with the with it being the home for the two restaurants but also the like immigrant community that settles there I mean all of these things are just so important in setting um, setting the scene mm-hmm. for this book that it's just it's very it's also like yeah it's very particular to like this neighborhood to this place um and so just the painting the picture of that was i thought done very very well i loved the um the chef character yeah loved it (laughs) um and just like that's another like um kind of example uh, uh, in this book about um, like following your dreams and um, the relationship with immigrant parents um, that offered like a yet another you know point of view right 
yeah, just little things like that. I just, yeah, I love that. His story is so important as well because it gives Lynn the opportunity to look beyond the immediate response and to the long term. Um, which I think is very difficult, very difficult for everybody with their parents specifically. I think we all tend to be mm-hmm. a little short-sighted with our parental relationships. And like psychologically, I think it probably comes from us depending entirely on our parents as children. And like, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> want to make sure that like the food keeps coming mm. and the love keeps coming. Uh, back to the ground when I hit the ground when I... I've got to stop doing these at 8.30 p.m. Um, but she gets to see an example of somebody who had a similar interaction with his parents years ago and it was hard but it was hard for a period of time and I think being able to see especially when you've never had a conflict with your parents before like that first conflict with your parents is Mm -hmm. so significant Mm -hmm. and I feel like no matter what your relationship is with your parents we all have that we all have that first kind of formative (laughs) no I am a different person that's very scary and so for her being able to have somebody older than her saying yeah you know it might it was scary for me it was hard there were these consequences but ultimately it was okay it worked out we you know we figured it out I'm gonna I'm gonna say this without spoilers I'm gonna do my best to say this without spoilers so I'm Mm -hmm. gonna take it and like remove it directly from the narrative but we mentioned the generational divides between parents and children before Mm -hmm. and I think one of the things like my parents and I had a pretty significant uh generational divide I was born when they were in their 40s um so like they were boomers (laughs) and I'm like a mid-millennial economies change and job markets change and so somebody who like in the case of my parents went into academia in the 70s it's just a completely different job market for somebody graduating in 2009 um and a lot of the time, I think, well-meaning parents who are trying to guide their children towards stable careers default to guiding their children towards what they think of as stable careers, when those careers may not be actually the stable ones anymore. You know, I think about this a lot in, <laughs> in terms of I, as a teenager, wanted to be an illustrator, wanted to go to school in illustration, and like was convinced not to because it wouldn't be a stable career. And, and then I got a bachelor's degree in English Lit, which was somehow okay, because there was this idea that, like, academic jobs are always your safety net, um, which is hilarious if you think about the current economy. <laughs> I know people who studied illustration. They're doing just fine. Um, but But parents guide their children with what they know. And... That's definitely, I think, something we see in this story. You know, I was reading it and I was I was reading Lynn's story and just going, she's obviously so talented. Mm-hmm. And there are also so many ways to make a career out of being creative and being artistic beyond the traditional art world, which, mm-hmm. yes, it's very difficult to be successful in the traditional art world. But there are so many options um, yeah. to support yourself doing creative work while also doing the work you love. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, that it it was just very difficult for, man, any generation before our generation, really, to grasp mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that creativity is absolutely a marketable skill. Yeah. 
the other really big part of this food of this of this food of this book <laughs> is the food mm -hmm. <laughs> so Eunice what was the dish that you wanted to eat the most when they were talking about the bun seow, which is the the Vietnamese crepe, mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I need that right now." That was also <laughs> that was also the moment for me. I I legitimately am going to look for rice flour this weekend because they're made of rice flour, so I can eat them. They sound amazing. But like all the balls of pho too, you know? Like, yes. Oh yeah. Um, the other one that like. Mm -hmm got me that I've never had and I don't really feel like I have a way to like even think of it in my head and now I can't remember the name of it I think it's Che Ba Mao the like mm -hmm. the one with coconut cream and like grass jelly and mung beans mm -hmm. it the way she described it sounded so good and even though it's like so different from like what we would have as a dessert necessarily like we don't usually have like crushed ice parfait um I love grass jelly and it sounded really tasty and now I might have to find it somewhere. And also now I just want boba or milk tea with grass jelly. A, <laughs> a really wonderful boba place opened up near our place the summer of 2019, I think. So I was like really looking forward to like making a habit of getting boba and I haven't been there now since the summer of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sad. It was really good. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back. That just reminded me, like, thinking about their first... I, I think it was one of their first, like, outings somewhere together. Um, that just reminded me, there's just so... There were so many moments in this book that um, the, like, tension between the two of them was written so well. I was like, oh my gosh, I really feel it. Like, they are really just, like, I don't know, like, falling in love with each other kind of thing. Like, I, I could tell, like, like when they were, like, nervous, when they were, like, they touched hands for the first time. Like, I, I don't know if I... I don't know, remember the last book that I read where, like, I really felt that, like, kind of, um, that, that tension written like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and I was like oh my gosh they're gonna they're like you know they like each other <laughs> the chemistry was nuts like the chemistry was was really really well written like mm -hmm. from the beginning and I really like um I like that they have known each other their whole lives but not mm -hmm. known each other like that story of like I've been aware of you and I haven't been able to get to know you for like 16 years is really something um yeah and I also really that that touches on something that I really appreciated, which is that their flirtation is so long, like they're <laughs> flirting with each other from day one. They're into each other from day one. There's so much like casual touching, which I really liked. I feel like we mm -hmm. don't see that that much. Um, it's usually like, oh, and then we touched hands for the first time. It was so intense. But they're like. Like, Bao especially will, like, touch her hair or, like, hold her mm -hmm. hands when she's nervous or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that, like, for me, that, like, stage of flirtation is just the best. So being able to just live in that stage of flirtation where it's, like, I'm pretty sure we're into each other, but, like, mm -hmm. I'm not 100%. And, like, there's something kind of magical of, about being in that, like, are we, aren't we space. And so I really, yeah. like, I loved seeing that. Yeah, like, the different realizations were, like, 
Um, I think there was a moment where Lynn was like, I really like Bao's hair now. Like, it was a bowl cut, but now it's, like, the haircut, and now I just want to, like, run my hand through it. And I was like, that's so real! <laughs> like, that, yeah, she, that whole, like, line of thinking. She wants like, to touch ah, his hair so for so long. <laughs> she wants to touch his hair for so long that when she finally gets to touch his hair, it's just like, yes! <laughs> it's really romantic. And very exciting. Yes. Yeah, yeah very absolutely. exciting. This evening, I was telling my kid about the book as I was, like, putting her to bed because sometimes she wants to know what we're reading. And I, she was like, what's it about? And I was like, well, it's a romance. And she went, oh, you love your romances. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And then she was like, maybe you should be a romance writer for your next job. And I was like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice that. <laughs> skewered um but it is a romance and it's a nice kind of romance i mean i think you're more of a specialist in romance than i am because i literally only read ya romance i don't read Mm. adult romances Mm because i don't know i have the focus for one genre um but i was noticing when i finished it that like it's not it's not a book about sex there's no sex Mm -hmm. in it um It's very, like, even the, like, flirtation and touch and romance is very chaste. But it's, like, so engaging. It's so gripping. You're, like, you want to know what's next. <laughs> like, you're so <laughs> invested in it that then their first kiss is, like, huge. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. Um, the buildup is, mm-hmm. is where it's at mm-hmm. in this book. Yeah. Okay. So, like, a last thing that I want to touch on is the Romeo and Juliet-ness of the storyline, which is, like, definitely a nod to Romeo and Juliet. That's even, like, explicitly stated at one point Mm -hmm. in the book. Um, And you said before that it's, like, Romeo and Juliet without the tragedy. And with Bao and Lin, it's true. (laughs) Like, there's no tragedy. Nobody poisons themselves by accident or anything. But there is, I found with the generational stories, the kind of generational layering of trauma added that element of tragedy that made it feel very true to Romeo and Juliet, even though their storyline is not Romeo and Juliet's. Uh, And that's like... It's just, it's really masterful storytelling. Like, I've said this a number of times, but God, if I wanted to be really corny, I'd be like, this book is built the way a good pho broth is built. It's really subtle and in, like, a lot of layers. If I was Bao <laughs> writing about this. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's subtle and it's woven together and it's tasty and comforting. So maybe the metaphor works. Yeah, the way that it unfolds, I think, because um, in the beginning you're just like, oh, it's just it's a it's like a feud, it's a silly feud, and then you're like, oh, there's definitely something more to this, and then it really does hit you, like when the reveal comes, that it's like, oh yeah, this is there's definitely a reason behind yeah. this rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for you guys to read it yeah definitely read this one yeah my only issue with this book is that i think it has a bad title and i think it deserves a better title it's just like okay a full love story okay but like is it though i don't know 
Oh, uh, now I can't remember. I had all these puns lined up that I was going to make as alternate titles, and now I've forgotten every single one of them. So that, that'll show me next time I should take notes. For real love. I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't have to be there. It could just be called a love story, you know? Like, I mean, and this I don't feel bad saying because, like, I guarantee Lonely did not choose the title. This was some publisher who chose the title. Um, and I bet her working title was mm. better. So the one last thought I had about this book um, before we close is that I did really appreciate the um, when we were talking about like the communication between the parents I really did appreciate the way that um, the language was woven into it and it felt pretty bilingual to, to me um, so I, I just really liked that um, thing of like um, using the language and um, reflecting like the use of both English and Vietnamese in the conversations between the between the characters. I, I just really like that. It flowed really well t- for me. I like that a lot as well. And I have no familiarity with Vietnamese or like people who speak Vietnamese it's like one of those situations where the book is clearly written it's not written to like it's not written to pander to people who don't know Vietnamese or understand but it's very readable it's very accessible and I I really 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 appreciated that and it felt like it made me know their family as well um and like yeah it was cool that's a full love story by Lon Le Lon if you wrote that title and I trashed it I'm sorry um I'm gonna knock my water bottle over thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback that's what we're gonna go out on (laughs) I'm gonna knock my water bottle over okay thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi send us an email at the yeah podcast at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at YaPodcast yeah and individually. I'm at TefferBear. And I'm at Unicorn Reads a Book on Instagram. That's Unicorn with an E. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash YaPodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenho, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, Emily Patton, and Emmett Cameron. We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, by subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who likes Romeo and Juliet or likes the... Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tefra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. I'm October Jones, and Hi, this is... I'm Fish with Legs. I'm a fish I'm with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs. Starring me and my best friend... <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. 
October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends and go on adventures and get captured a lot and escape a lot and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends and authoritarianism and colonialism and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish with Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- Fun for adults and kids. <laughs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. Bye! If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.